and amen. All right, well tonight we're going to continue in Daniel chapter 2, going to be beginning in verse 19. Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. What, What we've looked at so far in the book of Daniel is that Nebuchadnezzar has gone in with the Chaldean army. They have te- they have captured uh, Jerusalem. They've captured Judea. Actually, the whole region uh, they've captured, and they have uh, brought back uh, captives that have come back to and been brought back to uh, to Babylon. And they had certain qualifications that they had to meet. And they uh, and Daniel and his three friends met those qualifications. They put them under a three year rigorous training. Again, it was a time of indoctrination is really what it was to teach them uh, the Chaldean way, to teach them the Babylonian way, to really indoctrinate them into the way that they do things and the way they think about things rather than the way in which Daniel and his friends were raised in thinking in Judaism. So as we look at that, this is uh, this is where we're at. Daniel and his three friends, as we saw in Daniel chapter 1, uh, graduated, if you will, and right after their graduation, or, or really as a part of their gradu- graduation, they had to go before the king, and Daniel and his three friends really impressed the king, and so that way uh, they ended up going directly into service of the king. And so as we look at this, they, they go immediately out of their training, immediately uh, from the university to serving the king, if you will. So when we begin to think about this, we recognize that all of this is the sovereign hand of God. Amen. None of this happened by mistake. None of this happened by accident. Even uh, as we're reminded that uh, the word of God tells us in in, uh, uh in, in Daniel, it tells us that uh, uh, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 2, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of uh, Judah, into his hands. So this is something God did. It's not something that Nebuchadnezzar did. And again, we see this as the theme, and we're going to see it tonight again, as the theme of the book of Daniel, the fact that God is sovereign. Amen. God is sovereign. God is in absolute control. God is in control of every single aspect of it. So what we looked at last week, we looked at the fact that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he had a dream that troubled him so badly uh, that his sleep fled from him. He wasn't able to sleep. And uh, this dream troubled him to the point to where he ended up getting all of his wise men, all of them to come in. Obviously wasn't all of them because Daniel and his three friends weren't there, but I believe it was represent, uh, representatives of each different type of, of the wise men, but they were all considered to be wise men in this sense. And they all came in, and as they came in, uh, Nebuchadnezzar said three times as we looked at last week, three different times, he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell me what my dream is. And then after you tell me what my dream is, I want then I want you to tell me the interpretation of the dream. Because he wasn't going to put, put up with any deception. He wasn't going to put up with anybody uh, pulling a rabbit out of their hat or pulling cards out of their sleeves or anything like that. He wasn't going to just put up with them giving him some kind of saying that sounded spiritual and it sounded like it was from the gods. Uh, but... He wanted them to, he wanted to know that they were truly hearing from the gods. 
plural, right? And that they were actually speaking on behalf of them. And so three different times that they, they he, he told them very clearly, tell me what the dream is, then tell me what the interpretation is. And they said a couple of things. We talked about all of this last week, but just want to kind of give a refresher because it goes in to what we're talking about tonight. So as we look at this, they, they basically tell the king, um, nobody has ever asked such a request before. Nobody has ever asked anything like this before, right? This is an impossible task. After all, the gods, plural, are way up there in the heavens and we're down here, <laughs> right? They're way up there and we're down here. So what does Daniel do? Daniel, first of all, he's about, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Nebuchadnezzar then orders, I'm going to have all of the wise men killed. You're of no use to me. You don't hear from God, obviously, right? Or the gods, plural, as he's thinking about pagan gods. You're obviously not hearing from God. You just said with your own mouth, they're way up there. We're down here. Who could do such a thing? It's an impossible task. So what use are you to me? Right? What benefit are you to me? I'm just going to have all of you killed. He says, I'm going to have you torn from limb, to, from limb to limb. And not only are you going to be torn from limb to limb, I'm going to make your homes a rubbish heap. <laughs> right? And so as we look at this, they, they, it, it was very clear they couldn't do it. They said nobody could do it. Right? And so he, Gives the order, I'm going to have them killed. They're of no use to me. They're of no value to me. If they're not, if they're not really hearing from the gods, they said themselves, they're way up there. We're down here. Kind of reminds you of uh, of uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, right? Uh, as they're uh, prophets of Baal all day long, are trying to get get Baal to. You know, light up the fire, right? Light up the barbecue. And he couldn't do it. Uh, light up that sacrifice. He couldn't do it. And then here comes Elijah. And he just prays to the God of heaven. And here comes the fire. Not only consumes the sacrifice, but consumes all the prophets of Baal as well. So the order now with Nebuchadnezzar has gone out. I'm going to have all these wise men killed. They're of no use to me, no value to me whatsoever. So... The guard comes, Ariok comes to go and arrest Daniel and his three friends. Uh, and as he does, he asks Ariok to you know, give him a little bit of time. Give him a little bit of time. And what does he do with that time? He goes and he has a prayer meeting with his three friends. In fact, you look right there in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 17. It says, Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter. So he lets them know what's going on. So that they might request compassion from who? The God of heaven. So those pagan gods said, Hey, those gods are way up there. They're distant from us. We, we, you know, they can't hear from us. We can't hear from them. And what does Daniel and his three friends do? They go have a conversation with the God of heaven, the one and only God of heaven. They were uh, they went uh, 
requested compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. It was a mystery. Didn't know what the dream was. Nebuchadnezzar made it very clear that he wasn't going to tell what the dream was. And so now, as we look at this, they had a prayer meeting. And so as they had this prayer meeting, they go in there uh, in the house and they're praying. Daniel and his three friends that, uh, that, that they would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Their life is at stake right here, right? And not just their life, but all of the wise men of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar already gave the order, go arrest them, kill them. Apparently he's going to gather them all together and there was going to be one large joint massacre. And he was going to make a spectacle out of them. Right? He's going to make a show out of them that they're, they're of no use, they're of no value. So then as we look in verse 19, and we look in verse 19, it says, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. And so as we look at this, it's an interesting wording right here, because remember, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And the Bible very specifically says that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Also, we see that God blessed Daniel uh, with the ability, we saw that in chapter 1, that God blessed Daniel with the ability to uh, interpret uh, dreams, right? In verse 17 of chapter 1, as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence and every branch of literature and wisdom. And Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. So there's a distinction there between visions and dreams. Daniel had a, or, or sorry, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, right? This dream bothered him to the point where he couldn't sleep at night. And he wanted somebody to tell him, first of all, what the dream was, and then secondly, the interpretation. Now they're having a prayer meeting. Some people take this as that Daniel and his three friends had a prayer meeting. They prayed for a little bit. They went to sleep. Then Daniel had a dream in his, in his sleep about what, what the dream was and the interpretation of it was. Well, their lives are at stake. They're about to die. <laughs> and they're not just, just going to die, but a very horrible death. They're going to be ripped from limb to limb, right? So I don't think there was any going to bed that night. But he didn't have a dream. The Bible very clearly says that he had a vision. In fact, when you look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 1, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 1, it says right here, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind as he lay in his bed. And then he wrote them, uh, the dream down and related the following summary of it. Okay, So they're very specifically, unlike Daniel chapter 2, in Daniel chapter 7, he had a dream. Daniel chapter 2, he had a vision. And so how do we know that he was awake? Well, then you look at Daniel chapter 9. And in Daniel chapter 9, uh, beginning in verse 20, we find right here, uh, Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 20, says, Now while I was speaking and praying, 
and confessing my sins and the sins of my people Israel. Now, unless Daniel was speaking and praying in his sleep, he was obviously awake at this time, right? So clearly he was awake. And what was he doing? He was doing the same thing he was doing in chapter 2. He was praying. Right? He was praying. He was seeking the face of God. So again in verse 20, Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and uh, presenting my supplication before the Lord my God on behalf of the holy mountain of, God, of my God, while I was, and he says it again, he repeats himself, while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel who I had seen in the vision previously came to me in uh, my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering, right? So clearly, Daniel was awake, right? Daniel chapter 2, what were they doing? They were praying. And in the midst of that prayer time, Daniel had a vision. Daniel chapter 7, he had a dream. And it actually says dreams and visions, but he had a dream. He wrote down the dream, but clearly, beyond a shadow of a doubt, he was awake in chapter 9 because he was awake and he was praying and he was uh, speaking supplications to God, presenting those supplications uh, on behalf of the nation of Israel. So Daniel was wide awake and God gave him this vision. And so as God gave him this vision, we do see the distinction there between dreams and visions in the book of Daniel. We see it in several other places in scripture as well. But here we very clearly see it in the book of, uh, of Daniel, even with Daniel himself. He had, according to chapter one and verse 17, God gave him the ability to understand all kinds of visions and dreams right and so now he is seeing a vision nebuchadnezzar had a dream but now wide awake daniel because he and his three friends are praying and they're seeking the face of god they're about to die a whole lot of other people are about to die his close friends are about to die and so they're seeking God and they're praying specifically, as it says, verse 18, they're praying from, for compassion from the God of heaven, right? Isn't it an awesome thing to know that we could go directly and we could go boldly, in fact, to the throne of grace? Amen. Not boastfully, not arrogantly, humbly, right? With great reverence and great respect. You see, some people mess that all up when they when they say we can go boldly to the throne of grace. It's like we're going in there and kicking the door down and saying, we're here, you better do what we say. <laughs> oh, it doesn't work like that. Amen. It doesn't even remotely close to, to work like work like that. We go reverently. We go humbly. But we go boldly because the way in which we go today is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's how we approach the throne today. Every single one of us have direct access to the throne of God, but it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. It came with a great, great price. Amen. And so we need to uh, we need to recognize that. We need to we need to keep that uh, 
in our memory as we begin to think about this. So Daniel and his three friends were requesting the God of heaven for compassion. And so now God gave them compassion. And God gave them him an understanding of this dream. Now it was at night. It was a night vision. But it wasn't a dream. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Blessed and praised can really be used interchangeably right there. Uh, some translations might say praised. The translation I use, King James, also uses the word blessed. Really an interchangeable word right there. And so remember, he's, he's now writing again in, uh, in Aramaic, right? And so as he's writing this, he's writing an Aramaic word down that does it could be used as either praise or blessed the God of heaven. So as he's doing this, he is giving God praise. He's offering up a blessing of praise unto God who answered this prayer and gave him compassion. You know how often do we fail to pause when God answers a prayer, when God gives us compassion, how often do we fail to pause and allow the very first thing that we do to, be give, to give God praise? Amen. To thank God for the fact that He did answer that prayer. And no doubt, He did answer that prayer. So in verse 20 through verse 23, we see the prayer. And as we see this prayer, it says, Daniel said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to Him. Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. Let the name of God be praised forever and ever. You know, the fact is, God is eternal. God and God alone really is the only one who can be praised forever and ever. Amen? Now, we remember others, and we remember things that they, they've done in the past. We can honor them. We can honor George Washington as the first president of the United States, right? But we still don't give him the, you know, he's, he's not the president of the United States today, is he? Uh, and so as we look at that, he lived a temporary life, right? Very temporary life. And we all live very temporary lives, but God is eternal and we praise his name forever and ever for wisdom and power belongs to him. God is the one who holds wisdom. God is the one who holds power and God is the one who is all wise and all knowing. God is theological term omniscient right that means all-knowing there's nothing that god doesn't know right he knows everything there is to know he is also doesn't just possess power he has all power right he has absolute power he is el shaddai he is almighty all-powerful God. And so when we begin to think about that, that's not just something we may possess wisdom. We may possess power, right? We may be, maybe even at times possess affluence. 
But it is all temporary, right? God is wisdom. God is power. That's the very essence of who He is. And not only is He those things, He gives those things. So when we have wisdom or we have power, it comes from God, right? doesn't come from anything that we are. It comes from God and God alone. Verse 21, it says, It is He who changes the times and uh, the epochs. He, he removes kings and establishes kings. And he gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. So God is the God. We talked about that earlier when we talked about the fact in chapter 1 that God is the one who allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come in there and capture Israel, or capture uh, the, the southern kingdom and take it into captivity. We also looked at the fact that the prophet Jeremiah, he prophesied it's only going to last for 70 years, right? Isn't it amazing that God allowed His people to go into captivity, but before they went into captivity, He told them how long they were going to be in captivity. <laughs> Amen. It, which shows us this is the sovereign hand of God. And so we often scratch our heads sometimes and think to ourselves and ask ourselves the question, well, why, why are things going the way that they're going? Well, I don't know. I don't know. And, and you don't know, right? We don't understand why things are the way they are. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody, likes the way things are going in the United States of America today, right? I don't, I don't care what side, whether you're honest about it or not, <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody likes where we are as a country right now. So why are we where we are? I could give you some theories, I could give you some ideas, but God knows, amen? amen. And God has it all under control. God has a plan. And so as we begin to understand, the best thing that we can do is get on God's plan, right? That's why the Bible tells us to keep our eyes focused upon the things above and not the things below. We, get, we focus on the things below, boy, we could get bent out of shape and all caught up and messed up and downtrodden real quick. <laughs> Amen? But the Bible tells us to keep our eyes focused upon Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Who, by the way, with joy, the Bible tells us, endured the cross, despising the shame. Now, does that mean the cross was joy? Absolutely not. The cross was agonizing pain. Not just agonizing physical pain, but he who knew no sin became sin for you and I. We could comprehend, we can't, I'm sure nobody here today has ever been to the extent of pain that the cross was. It was meant to be absolute torture in one of the worst possible ways to die, if not the absolute worst form of execution there ever was. But we could sympathize a little bit with physical pain, can't we? But we can't understand even a little bit what it means that he who knew no sin became sin for us. 
So when we begin to look at that, well, how is the cross then joy? Because he knew what was on the other side. Amen? He knew what was on the other side. And it wasn't the cross itself. The cross was the means to get to the other side to where the blessing come. He had to endure the cross. It was the only way. There's no other way but through the cross. Right? It was God's plan all along. And Jesus knew it. He even prayed, uh, you know, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thine be done. Right? And that was the Father's will. Jesus was obedient, even to the point of death, even death upon a cross. So when we look at this, we understand that God is the one in absolute control. He raises up kings. He takes down kings. He raises up whole kingdoms. And He takes down whole kingdoms. We're going to see that very, very clearly. Let me give you a preview of the dream. Okay? I'm not going to talk about the dream tonight, but I'll just give you a preview of it. God showed Nebuchadnezzar in his dream every world empire that was going to rise to power through him, uh, starting with him, and all the way to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Yet none of those empires were in power. Of course, obviously Nebuchadnezzar was, but none of those other future empires were in power. But God showed him. Amen? You cannot deny the reliability of the Word of God. When God tells us right here in His Word, the book of Daniel is a history book, but the amazing thing is it's a history book of future history. (laughs) Right? Some of that history has already taken place. Some of the history is still yet to take place. But what a phenomenal thing. When we begin to think about it, we see the absolute hand of our sovereign God. He goes on to tell us that he's the one who gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. The wise men who were declared as wise men were utterly stumped when it came to Nebuchadnezzar's request. Can't do it. It's impossible. But God gave one the understanding. It wasn't Daniel's doing. It was God's doing. It was God who gave to Daniel the wisdom. Amen? God gives wise men wisdom. He also gives knowledge to men and of understanding. If you ever, I, I've heard this question asked before. Who and what and why and how did somebody first think to use this object of whatever it was? Right? The wheel. <laughs> right? How did somebody first think about that? I believe God gave them the wisdom. God gave him the knowledge. God gave them the understanding. It came from God. Everything that we have, as far as wisdom and knowledge and understanding, it's been given by God. Now, 
I'm not trying to be ugly or, or mean, just stating facts. I've known some extraordinarily educated people before. They didn't have a lick of sense. <laughs> Amen? Didn't have a lick of sense. And I've known some extraordinarily uneducated people before. That were some of the wisest people that you'll ever have a conversation with. Amen? I'm all for education. I'm not, not opposed to education. All right? Got president of a Baptist college here. Better be. <laughs> I'm all for. We need. We need. It. I think the Bible says to study to show ourselves approved. We need. We need to study. We need to, you know, get the best possible, especially when it comes to the Word of God, best possible that we we can. Right. But it's God who gives it to us. Right. It's God who gives us that wisdom. It's God who gives us that knowledge. It's God who gives us that understanding. If he doesn't give it to you, you're not getting it. Amen. You're just not getting it. And um, you can't go to a seminary and become a preacher. Either God's called you or he hasn't. Amen. And so, you know, it's the same thing. You know, God's blessed us with some uh, wonderful musicians here that we're so grateful Oh, but I've seen people study and study and study and study and never get it, <laughs> right? Either you've got it or you don't, amen? And God's the one who gives it to you. So that, that's a blessing and a calling from God that God gives, gives to you. So when you go on and continue to look at this verse 21, it is he who changes times and, uh, and epics. It, he's the one who... Uh, removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. God is the one who does that. Amen. If you ever been studying your Bible, you've read that verse a hundred times. Amen. I mean, you've read that verse a hundred times. You've heard it preached. You've heard it taught in Sunday school and Bible study, whatever. But all of a sudden you're reading it and it doesn't mean anything different. It means what it's always meant, right? And it's always going to mean what it's always meant because God's, God's word doesn't change. But all of a sudden, man, it just pops out at you and comes alive to you. And you're like, wow. I get it now. <laughs> Amen? Amen? That's God who does that. Amen? I can't tell you how many times while I'm preaching. I, I, I can't tell you countless times while I'm preaching. Somebody had come to me after the message and said, Brother Rusty, when you said this or that, it really stuck out to me. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't really remember saying this or that. But that's obviously how God was speaking to you. Amen? <laughs> and so it's God who has given us that understanding. He reveals the profound and hidden things. And He knows what is in the dark and the light dwells within Him. So those hidden things, those things that are within the dark, like... Tell me what the dream is before you tell me what the interpretation is. Who could, who could do such a thing? Can you tell me what I'm thinking right now? No. 
Can I tell you what you're thinking right now? No. Can you tell me what I dreamed last night without me telling you? No. Can I tell you what you dreamed last night without you telling me? No. But God can. But it's interesting that here it is, these wise men said, nobody's ever asked of such a thing before. Nobody's ever done this before. Why are you doing it now? Because God laid it upon his heart. Even old wicked, evil, vile, pagan king, God burned it in his heart to where God can show himself to Nebuchadnezzar. And we're about all those other fake gods, all those false gods. I'm the one true God. And as we look in verse 14 of chapter 2, it says when they came to arrest Daniel, it says in verse 14, then Daniel replied with uh, discretion and discernment. <laughs> in other words, with wisdom and understanding. Who gave Daniel that wisdom and understanding? God did. Amen. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with people and I didn't really know what to tell them at the time, but then later on I thought to myself, well, I should have said this or should have said that, but I didn't. And the moment's gone. It's too late now. But then right at the right timing when God does give you the words and the wisdom and the understanding to say God gave that to Daniel. Then he goes on in verse 23. And he says, To you, O God, uh, to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and power. For now you have made known to me what we requested to you. For we have made for, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Something interesting took place in verse 23. Now we've already established Daniel is the one who is writing the book of Daniel. Right? We've made that clear. But look back up in verse 17. It says, Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends. Right, look at verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Now Daniel's writing this, but he's writing it in a formal style. Right? He's writing it in third person. But now he's praying. Now he's praying in first person. Right? To you, O God, the God of my fathers, I give thanks. And praise. I give thanks and praise. Last phrase, for you have made known to us the king's matter. You know, prayer is a personal thing. It's not just a formality, right? Something that's personal between us and God. We don't just repeat repeat prayers, we don't just quote prayers. Say somebody else's prayer, right? It's personal. 
As we go to the God of heaven who wants to hear from his children. Amen? He wants to give us compassion. He wants to hear from us. And as we go to him, we may not always get the answer the way we want to get the answer. It's going to be in God's sovereign timing and God's sovereign will. But he wants to hear from us. That's the reason he wants us to pray. Amen. That's the reason we should pray. Sovereignty. The sovereignty of God is the theme that runs all the way through the book of Daniel from the very beginning to the very end. Prayer to the one true God who's in absolute control is also a theme of the book of Daniel. And of Daniel himself, his life was characterized by and through prayer. Amen? So it's also a very prominent theme. All right, next week we'll start looking at um, what was the dream and what was the interpretation of the dream. Amen? Any questions or comments on that? All right. Well, if not, let's go ahead and... uh